More money, less money. <laughs> money, money, good money, bad money. Okay. Is money the root of all evil? No. Oh, okay. I'm going to go through some scriptures. You don't have to look them all up. If you want to write them down, you can, but we'll probably go kind of fast. First Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. How many kinds of evil are there? Lots of different kinds. But money is a root of a whole bunch of them. That's what it's saying. There's a whole lot of evil that has a root that is basically money. And some people eager to have eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So is it possible that money can cause you to wander from your faith? How about worry about money? What's the opposite of faith? Fear, worry, those sorts of things. You may say, well, that's just worry. We're supposed to do that. But, you know, worry is not faith, is it? So when we worry, are we trusting God? Are we believing that he's there, he's got everything covered, or not really? So it's a matter of faith. <clears throat> Does God have anything to say about money? And I think that uh, that was alluded to by... Uh, uh, Dave Ramsey, that uh, there are more scriptures or more teaching on money than any other. I think it was Larry Burkett that said, uh, somebody counted them. I didn't count them. But I think he said that money or that love was a number one <clears throat> subject in the Bible, but that money was number two. But <clears throat> it's pretty close, right? So uh, money has a spiritual significance. And you might say, how does that work? And we're going to get into that. <clears throat> but um, let's look at uh, one other scripture here. Uh, uh, Luke 16, 11 says, So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? What is worldly wealth? It's kind of like money, right? <laughs> so uh, he's saying that the way you handle your money is an indicator of what you're ready for to handle spiritually. That sounds sort of like, really, I thought money was just, you know, you just deal with that stuff, you know. But God's saying, no, wait a minute. The way that you handle money and the way that you do that has to do with what you're ready to do spiritually. And in the Bible, we see a lot of types and shadows and things come first. And first the natural, then the spiritual. You're going to deal with worldly wealth. That's money. How about dealing with spiritual wealth and the things that go with that? Okay. First comes the worldly wealth. So does it matter? Does money matter? Yeah, it, it, it does. It actually it makes a difference. And uh, so we're going to talk about some building blocks the financial freedom and really what I'm going to talk about more is attitudes because uh, Dave Ramsey covers a lot of the how to's and the different um, uh, mechanics of finances. But it really, I think, starts with our attitudes. And uh, number one attitude is don't worry. 
How many of you worry about money? Don't. <laughs> okay, let's look at uh, Matthew uh, 6, uh, 23 and 24. And I'm just going to read this to you. Um, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not the life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can anyone by worrying add a single hour to your life? Who's talking? It's Jesus talking. Who's telling you, do not worry? Okay. Is that a command? Is it kind of hard to swallow sometimes? <laughs> well, I should be worrying about this. You know, this is serious. I should, and, you know, we should worry. I mean, depends on the seriousness of it, of course. If it's not very serious, don't have to worry. The more serious it gets, the more you worry, right? <laughs> Trick question. Not Shouldn't be, right? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? Do they not labor? Or spin, yet I tell you that even Solomon in all his splendor was not dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of what? So, does worry have to do with faith and wondering where things are going to come from and being worried about that? Is that worry? It, it is. And is it lack of what? Because God's saying, wait just a minute, back up a little bit. Just take a look out there at the birds. You know, are they worried about where their next meal's coming from? But, you know, have you ever watched a bird and you go, how do those things survive? You know, I mean, and plus it's cold and, you know, where do they sleep at night and stuff like that. God takes care of all of that. And that's just a bird. But yet we go, yeah, but God, but where's my next meal going to come from? You know, how am I going to pay the rent? I'm, I mean, I'm worried about this. And those are considerations, right? There certainly are. But God says, Jesus says, do not worry, O you of little faith. Because when we worry about those things, it means that we don't really think that God understands. It, that Maybe he's not going to take care of it. Maybe he doesn't even know. Maybe I need to kind of take all this into my own hands. And it's, it's, it's up to me. But he says, back up a little bit and think about it. Aren't you more important than the birds of the air? For the, <clears throat> he says, for, uh, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. Those are the people that don't know God are the ones that worry. The people that know God are not supposed to worry. Does that mean you don't worry? No. I mean, we all worry. But it should be like a red flag. Well, where's my trust? You know, where, where is my trust centered? should be a red flag that comes up because the pagans run after these things. But your heavenly Father knows that you need them. And this is, I think, a real faith builder against worry. 
is to say, wait a minute. Let's back up a minute. God knows that I need this and he's faithful. And I'm sitting here worrying that he doesn't know and that he's not going to take care of it and that I'm going to starve or I'm not going to have clothes or, or whatever the future holds is not going to work out. But where do you put your mind then? Do you just like not worry? And he says, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Remember the story of Mary and Martha, and Martha was so busy doing everything, you know, and we were worried that things are not going to go right, and she has to get everything taken care of, and we've got to do all these things, and that's, that's so important. And, uh, and then Mary's just sitting there doing nothing, it appears, sitting at the feet of Jesus. And, you know, in our lives, we do the same thing. We get worried and all this, and how much time do we spend looking to the Lord and building our faith, reading God's word so that we'll truly trust him instead of running around trying to do things. And Jesus said, Mary's chosen the thing that's most important. It won't be taken from her. And he says that if you seek first the kingdom of God, guess what? Everything will be added to you. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you work for it. Did you know that everything in life you don't have to work for? They said, they asked Jesus, they said, what work should we do, you know? And he said, this is the work you should do, is to believe on the one whom he has sent. This is your work. This is what you're to do. God's going to pick up the pieces. He's going to take care of it. Because why? Because he cares for us more than he does for the birds and all the other things he takes care of. He cares for you and he cares for me. You know, often there's a lesson to be learned, though, in the things that we go through. And the lesson isn't that God cares. The lesson is that God does care. <laughs> but sometimes what we get out of it is that God doesn't care. So, therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has trouble enough of its own. Who's this talking? Jesus. And trouble, it means weight to carry. Each day has enough weight to carry of its own. You don't have to worry about what tomorrow will bring. That's hard to, can we get that through our heads? I mean, it's just not that easy. It sounds simple, but it's not that easy because it's a matter of faith. This is money is linked tightly with faith. It has to go with faith, money. Okay, here's one you're going to like. This is a building block. Don't overwork. Most of us don't really have a problem with this. But in case you do, Psalm 127, 1 and 2. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in what? In vain. Who's, who's supposed to do the work? I mean, whose yoke is easy and burden is light? Right. He said, unless the Lord builds a house, those that labor, labor in vain. You know, you can work really hard, but it doesn't mean anything. We don't want to do that. That's too much work to not mean anything, right? He says, unless the Lord builds a house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. You can have the best security system in Stillwater with video and everything. 
But you know, unless God watches over your house, it doesn't mean anything. It's, it comes back to faith. You know, he keeps bringing us back. It's vain for you to rise early and stay up late. Tolling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those that he loves. Has anybody ever had a problem with that? With like working too much? Oh my gosh, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. You know, I've got to, to put in these hours, I've got to do this. And, and uh, you know, there's, there's got to be a balance in that. Is it, he says, it's vain to just, that's all you do is work. Have you know people like that? I do. That's their life, you know. Is that the way God wants it? Not really. He said it's vain. It's vain to do that. With faith, he said, if you seek his kingdom first, all these things will be added to you. It's not like with, with faith, all these things, you'll work for the, all these things. It's, they'll be added to you. Yeah, there's things for you to do. But um, the big part of the, the heavy lifting in life is done by God. <laughs> It's not, not done by us. Right? Okay, here's one you can relate to. Don't underwork. All right. Anybody ever been guilty of that? This is a... Uh, uh, Proverbs is full of this. Uh, Proverbs uh, twelve eleven says, He who works his land will have abundant food, but he who chases fantasies lacks judgment. And, you know, we've all chased a few fantasies, I think. Um, I knew someone that liked to chase a lot of fantasies, uh, day trading. And they just, every time they just missed it. Oh, man, just missed it. Yesterday I, I came so close. You know, if I would have just, you know, hung on a little bit longer, you know, I would have got this. And this would have happened. And that was, that was the story of this person's life, chasing fantasies. He who chases fantasies lacks judgment. Proverbs 12:14. Diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends in slave labor. <laughs> Doesn't sound very good, does it? So, so God is, is saying, I'm going to do the heavy lifting, but there's some things for you to do and to be diligent in. Um, the sluggard craves, this is Psalm, uh, Proverbs 13:4. The sluggard craves and gets nothing, but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. Proverbs 14:23. All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. You can talk about lots of stuff and uh, spend a lot of time talking, right? People that get ahead are the doers, the ones, the ones that do. Uh, it's out of Proverbs. Um, talked about work. Uh, CJ mentioned when we prayed for people that don't have work. And maybe you don't have work or maybe you don't have money. Uh, maybe you've got work but you don't have enough money. There's all sorts of, of problems uh, that can be related to work and money and these sorts of things. But um, you know, I believe that one of the things, the principles that God puts out is to get in motion. And, uh, you know, when the, he told the priest to cross the Jordan, you know, the, they had to step out in the water and they had to get like ankle deep. I mean, it's like they had to get out there doing something that seemed kind of silly. 
And it really didn't make a whole lot of sense, but God said to do it. But he had them get in motion. You know, uh, Peter said, you know, call me and I'll come to you. You know, But he had to get out of the boat and he had to step on the water, didn't he? And, you know, we've got to uh, we've got to take the first step. Um, you know, um, we're a little bit like a boat and God is a little bit like a rudder. And, you know, a rudder can't steer the boat unless the boat's moving. And so, you know, we can sit around and say, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? How's this going to work out? And talk about it and ask people and do this and that. You know, but if you're a boat and you got a rudder, you got to get moving. And, you know, has anybody ever rode a boat or driven a boat? It doesn't really matter what direction you go. You just have to get moving. And then the rudder works. Then you can steer it. And so it's kind of that same way with our lives is that we can sit around and mope and worry, but we've got to get out and just start moving, start doing something and uh, moving in some direction and God will direct us. And uh, I think that's that's really important. We've got to take the first step. A lot of times God says, you draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. And we have to take that first step. Um, This is an important one. God is our source. Is the government your source? Is your job your source? Is your spouse your source? You know, there's all sorts of things. Are your school loans your source? Oh, I can't get those. Things are going to fall apart. 1 Corinthians uh, 9:11-8 says, And God, God is able to make all grace abound to you. Just think about that for a second. No matter what happens, no matter what's going on, God is able to make all grace abound to you. Is this constrained by time or space or anything? God's not. He's unlimited. He's able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, having all that you need at all times, you will abound to every good work. God is, God is our source. It's not the other things. Those things are there in place, and they're held together by God, and structures and authorities are all established by God. But God is the source of everything. God, so let's go to the, to the fountainhead, you know, where it all starts. Psalm 111.5 says he provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. This is kind of like he feeds the birds of the air. He clothes the grass of the field. He provides food. But the question is, do you believe that or not? Oh, you have little faith. That's what Jesus said. He said, you're not, you're not believing this. And this is, this is our challenge. It's, a, it's really a challenge of faith. First um, Timothy 6.17 says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. But to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Where does everything come from? 
No, it doesn't. It comes from my monthly Social Security check. It comes from my paycheck. It comes from you name it. Where does it come from? Ultimately, it comes from God. It says every good thing comes from God. And um, Abraham, the father of our faith, had a little experience uh, with his son. Uh, remember, God asked him to sacrifice his son. And uh, that was a very serious thing. Abraham basically agreed. Take him up the mountain. He said, uh, uh, laid him down. And his son had said, well, where's the sacrifice? You know, we've got the wood and everything. And where's the sacrifice? And, you know, Abraham said, well, you know, God's going to provide one, thinking it was his son. And uh, he laid him down on the altar and, and raised the uh, the knife to sacrifice him. And, and uh, uh, the Lord, the angel said, uh, you know, stop, don't do that. And uh, Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. So he went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. And that's what the word Jehovah Jireh means, is that God will provide. If you think you've got a problem finding work, how about sacrificing your son and God providing something else in its place? Wouldn't that, I mean, it just doesn't compare. And he said, God will, if God can provide that, and if God cares about that and provides for that, will, will he provide for you? But yet, it's a challenge of faith. And this was Abraham's, why he's called the father of our faith, because he accepted the challenge and he took it. And, and all things were added to him, right? As he did God's will first, the sacrifice was, was given. So God is our source. Um, here's one. Be faithful in small things. Have you ever complained they give you all the menial tasks and the things that really don't matter, and and you're really capable of a lot more than that. Ever had those thoughts? Why are they doing this? Why am I getting? Why am I getting this type of a job? Um, Matthew twenty five twenty one. Uh, you know the Lord gave out talents to uh, different people, and uh, the one He gave the most to, He gave him five talents, and. Uh, um, the man came back and he had, he had increased those five talents. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Um, you know, with money, you say, well, I don't have much. Are you faithful with the little bit that you've got? Or somebody gives you a job to do and it just seems below you. But do you do it? And do you good, do a good job of it? Um, that's important. And we're going we're gonna to see why here just a little bit. Luke 16, 10 through 13 says, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. It's a test. When you're given things like that and they rub you the wrong way and they're, they don't seem like 
what you should be doing, it's a test. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whosoever is dishonest with very little is also dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? So, when somebody asks you to do something small, just remember, basically it's a test of your integrity and how you react to that. And I know as a boss, a lot of times you have to ask people to do something that really is pretty menial. And you know they're capable of a lot more than that. And you almost feel bad about asking them to to do that. But when you ask someone that maybe is capable of much, much more, but to do something very menial and they do it and they don't complain and they do it cheerfully, you know what? what is, how does that person look in your eyes? It's just like, whoa, this person is awesome. Guess who you're going to move up in the, in the world next time next, you give a raise or next time you promote somebody or when you need somebody to do an important task, who are you going to ask? You're going to go straight to that person because, man, they've got an attitude that won't quit. You know they can do a lot more than that. But it's so, I'm always so impressed by people that will do that. And you just think, they just don't get any better than that. And I think that's the way God feels about us when we're willing to do little things and be faithful in little things. God is just, he's just going, yeah. Yeah, this person's going to go places. And uh, it's an important thing that a lot of us can tend to look over. Um, How about uh, being in a hurry to get rich? Trying to make some quick bucks. Okay. Um, Proverbs 13.1. This is one that I remember when I first became a Christian, I started reading these. I'm going... Wow, you know, I don't, I don't know about that because I think sometimes, man, you get these opportunities and, man, you can just strike it big. And uh, I was kind of looking for those sometimes <laughs> and uh, kind of caught me off guard, you know, that he's, he's saying this. Proverbs 13 one says, dishonest money dwindles away, but he who gathers money little by little makes it grow. You say I haven't got anything, man. I can't hardly even save money. I've got 50 cents, you know. Can you save 50 cents? Because he says, if you gather money little by little, it will grow. So, there again, we're talking about starting small. Um, It's funny how that kind of permeates God's kingdom. How did Jesus start? About as low as you can get. An illegitimate child, right? No place, no place to be born. Um, It's amazing, you know, how many things start really teeny tiny. What about faith? It says if you have faith as like a mustard seed. I'm not sure how big they are because I've never handled a mustard seed. But they're pretty small, aren't they? But... If you have that, you know, you can move mountains. You know, God starts with 
with small things. Proverbs 28, 20 says, A faithful man will be richly blessed, but one eager to get rich will not go unpunished. You say, well, oh, I just wanted to make some quick money here. and I mean, what's wrong with that? He said, one eager to get rich is not going to go unpunished. This is serious. This, this attitude is serious. You know, I mean, I never knew that. I was surprised when I started reading that. This attitude is serious. It won't go unpunished. Proverbs 28, 22 says, A stingy man is eager to get rich and is unaware that poverty awaits him. What's the best way to get poor? Be in a hurry to get rich. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? <laughs> I'm going to talk about that here in just a second. Um, here's one, Zechariah uh, 4.10 says, Who despises the day of small things? Men will rejoice when they see the plumb line of the hand in Zerubbabel. He was uh, rebuilding the temple, and some people um, thought that it was a uh, really an insignificant work, what he was doing. It had such a long way to go, and, and just such a little bit that, that he could do. Uh, but it says, who, will de- who despises the day of small beginnings. Is it God? He doesn't. God doesn't. In fact, a good part of the time, the really valuable things in life start with really small beginnings. And so we want to be careful not to despise uh, the day of small beginnings. But what about playing the lottery and gambling? And you guys are quiet. Okay, waste of money. Well, is it morally right? Is it morally wrong? Why? Somebody said, put your faith in the wrong thing. Can you get rich quick? Do you think you could get rich quick? It says, he that, that has a desire to get rich quick will not go unpunished. Now, you say, well, I just, you know, play the lottery just for fun. Well, okay, that's your entertainment. But if you're thinking you're going to get rich quick from it, (laughs) you're treading over the line. You're going the wrong direction. What about with gambling? Same thing, isn't it? What's what's wrong with, with, with gambling? In itself, it's the, it's like the love of money. It's the attitude towards it that can be right or wrong. I mean, I think I'm afraid I gamble in business every day. <laughs> you know, you take chances, um, and and we all do with with different things. But if you think that you're going to uh, make it rich quick. And not have to work. We just read all those scriptures about working. And you're going to get rich. And you're not going to do it little by little. And you're going to do it fast. Your attitude is wrong. So gambling, the lottery, these sorts of things. 
I think morally they have a lot more to do with our attitude towards them than really whether you participate in it or not. It's what, do you, what are you thinking about it? What do you want to get out of it? Okay, so I'm not saying go out and do that because you can waste a lot of money. But, you know, we waste money on lots of different things, don't we? Let's face it. I mean, Starbucks, hey, you know, I'll waste some money there. But um, I don't have to have that good coffee. But, um, you know, but it's our attitude towards these things that they think we think they're going to get us rich quick. Um, Okay, here's one. So you've got some money. The more that's given the more is required. You say, well, I, what am I going to do? I'm going to get all this money. And the guy said, I'm going to build my barns. And, man, I'm going to be good for, I'm going to be good to go for a long time here. You know, I'm going to be okay. Going to get that money. Everything's going to be okay. And the Lord says, you're a fool. You're going to die tonight. <laughs> you just don't know it, you know. But uh, the... Uh, <clears throat> The more that you're given, it's not necessarily given to you just so that you can consume it upon yourself. Is that right? And uh, Luke 28, Luke 12, 48, excuse me. From everyone who has been given much, much more will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Just think about what about Jesus? How much was entrusted to Jesus? I mean, from the very beginning. Everything, right? I mean, he was and is God. I mean, in in one sense, they're one and the same. But how much was asked of him? Everything. He had everything. What was asked of him? Everything. It kind of comes in proportion to what you've got. So God doesn't just give it to you to... Consume it on yourself, but for a for a useful purpose. Now, can you enjoy money, though? Mm-hmm. If what is right, your attitude. So we're really just talking about today, pretty much attitudes towards money. If your attitude towards money is correct, you bet you can enjoy money. God's given us these things to enjoy. But if your attitude is not correct towards it. It will not be good for you. As some have people that have won the lottery, what happens to them? A lot of them go into financial ruin, right? Because it's like it's like giving a, a two-year-old a Lamborghini, you know, and setting them on the gas pedal. It's like, whoa, you know, that's just a it's a recipe for. For disaster, but with God's way, little by little, and letting God be the increase, and letting your faith be in, in God, God can can expand you and, and help you to uh, do different things. Uh, here's a good one: Don't compare yourself with others. Nah, anybody ever compared yourself with other people, like all the time? <laughs> How many of you have got that one licked? Okay. Don't compare yourself with other people. Um, this happens at work a lot. Obviously, I'm in business, so you, you see this a lot. It happens at work, but it happens a lot of different places. It happens with uh, my grandsons that are two and four. <laughs> you know, it starts really at an early age, comparing yourself with somebody else, what they've got and what you don't have. 
And we still do it when we're adults, don't we? We do the same, do the same thing. Matthew uh, 21 through 16, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. And he agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. Did he give them a fair wage? Must have been. They, they took it, right? They, they agreed, and he gave them a denarius uh, for the day. They're probably happy they got it at that point in time. They were just standing around. All right. Got some work. Finally got some work. Um, about nine in the morning, he went out and saw the other standing in the market, other standing and uh, doing nothing. He said to them, you also go out and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. And so they went. He went out again at noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? And they said, because nobody's hired us. And he said to them, you also go out and work in my vineyard. When the evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired <clears throat> about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. Okay, they only started at five, but they got a full day's pay. Is that fair? <laughs> I'm hearing no, yes, no, yes. Is that fair? Well, I guess he can pay him whatever he wants to, right? He, he's a boss. And it, did he deceive him? <laughs> but we're going to find it was out of his generosity that he decided to do that because these guys probably had families just like the guys that started first thing in the morning and they needed help too. But so when those came in who were hired first, they expected to receive more. They go, well, okay, so we should get more. But he paid them a denarius, and the guys that worked first agreed for a denarius, right, to start with. But now they sort of forgot that, and they're, they're expecting more. So, <clears throat> um, but each one of them also received a denarius. And when they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. Landowner, Why did they grumble? They said it wasn't fair. It was what? Somebody said cheating? They, got, they felt cheated. Just think about that for a while. Did they get cheated or not? But they felt cheated. If they would have known what the other guys got paid, would they have felt cheated? But they compared themselves to the other one, didn't they? And so because of the comparison, something entered into their hearts, which was what? Yeah. Jealousy, greed, envy, these, these sorts of things. Because if they wouldn't have known about that, 
they would have, they would have been good. Man, all right. Good guy. You know, we worked all day, got our money. Let's go. Party. <laughs> Let's go do something. Um, so they said, uh, those who were hired last worked only an hour, and, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. Well, that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? But um, they're, they're forgetting something. But he answered one of them, <clears throat> I am not being unfair to you, friend. <laughs> so he had no ill intent towards them. Didn't you agree to work for Denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Probably because he knew they had the same needs. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I'm generous? So do you see what happened when they compared themselves with other people? And who, who was their source? But when they started comparing, their sort like let's say the landowner is like God, it's like their source. But when they started comparing one with another, in effect they started saying, "Wait a minute, he's not fair." So when you compare yourself with somebody else and say, "Wait a minute, if your source is God, what are you saying?" You're kind of getting close there, you know, to um, that because there may be a reason that things turned out the way they did. And I know from experience in work and from paying people at work that sometimes it appears, would appear on the outside, that somebody's getting paid unfairly more than somebody else, but there's more to the story. But you can't necessarily tell everybody the rest of the story. Maybe it's confidential information, whatever. You know, in this case, there was more to the story, and that was that the landowner was generous. That was the rest of the story. And it wasn't that he was unfair. They had misjudged him. And so, as we compare ourselves with other people and what they have and what God gives them, let's say, let's say we're talking about what God gives them. Not just what other people give them, but um, even what God gives them. And we say, well, why does that person have so much talent? And I don't, I don't have any. You know, what does, that, what does that do? It affects our attitude towards God. And what we're talking about here is an attitude of faith towards God. Because God's got a plan for you every bit as he does for someone else. And the Bible says that. And it's a plan for good. Every single person is the same in that way. God has a good plan for you. But they're not all the same. They're different plans. Okay. Um, so it says, uh, um, so the last will be first, the first will be last. This probably going to be this way in the kingdom of God, you know, when we get to heaven or, or Jesus comes back or whatever, how that all pans out. The people that got saved yesterday may get the same place as you, or they may go in ahead of you. How are you going to feel about that? And you've lived a life for 30, 40, 50 years. What do you think about that? You're going to be okay with it? 
That's a test, right? Comparing others is another test, right? If you pass a test, God's going, all right. You know, these guys are great. And, uh, you know, I think that's what we should what we should really strive for. Does it really trust God? Okay, last one. Don't forget God. Deuteronomy 8, 10 through 18. You've got it all licked. You've been through Dave Ramsey. You know, you've got all your money saved. You paid off your house. Everything's good. Life is perfect. And, um, okay, that's when this scripture comes in. When you have eaten and are satisfied... Praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, and when you build fine houses and settle down, when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and you have all that you have is multiplied, Then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of the hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known for the purpose of what? To humble you and test you that in the end it might go well for you. Why do we have hard times? Why do we have financial difficulties? Well, hopefully some of these things will help you understand that. But you know, God tests us in these areas and he gives us difficulties to go through. And they're tests. To see how we handle it. These workers that went out and got the jobs and then they hired other people were given a test. And the guys that started work early failed the test. They didn't pass it. Would you pass it? If you were one of them, would you pass that test? Could you pass it tomorrow now if you took it? So, you know, God, and he tested them in the wilderness But he doesn't put us through these things for the purpose of damaging us and of and of hurting us. He puts them there for our for our teaching and for our learning. And it says he disciplines those that he loves. And he said, I put you there to humble you and test you so that in the end it might go well with you. Because the difficulties that we go through are the things that build strength of character in us. That's how you get it. You don't get it the easy way. You go through trials and, you know, you think about in life, most of the things that are valuable and worthwhile are born out of some kind of a struggle. And uh, and so these struggles and things that we go through with finances and with other things are not something that God doesn't know anything about. They may be something that is orchestrated by God and that he's using to build your faith and to help you. To ultimately put your trust in him. And this is the warning he's given to the people that kind of got it all made and everything's going well. Said, hey, wait a minute, but don't forget God. And, you know, you may be going along great in your life and then something really bad happens. And you go, well, God, why did that happen? I just thought I sort of had we had a disagreement. You know, everything was going to be okay. And he says, 
I'm using it to humble you and test you so that in the end it will go well for you. And if you start to forget God, he's faithful to to bring you back. And he says, uh, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. It's part of the danger of of working too much, relying on ourselves. But remember that the Lord your God, remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. You may say, oh, no, I did this. God didn't do this. Yeah. He says, I even gave you the ability to do that. And if you've ever had some sort of a sickness or illness in your life, you'll know what it means. You don't take that ability for granted, do you? To, to, to do those things. Even the ability to do it comes from God. We are totally dependent on God, but we just forget it pretty easily. And so he confirms his covenant, which he swore to his ancestors as it is today. And his covenant is, I'll, I'll never leave you. I'll be with you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. And this is God's message about money and about finances, that I'll never leave you or forsake you. And I will be your provider. I'll be the one that will provide for you, just like I do for the birds of the air and the grass of the field. So, anyway, that's the lesson for today. We're going to, in a, about three weeks, we're going to finish up with some other things. Um, and these are not still as much nuts and bolts as Dave Ramsey goes into, but we're going to talk about being content and not loving money, um, being a cheerful giver. We're going to talk about debt and talk about borrowing, tithing, saving, um, budgeting, counting the cost. And we're going to talk about your work, what you do for a living in relation to money. So thanks, everybody. Lord bless you.